0: We're listening to The Daily American. Now here's your host, Dan the Man.
1: Daily American is proud to announce a partnership with Skip the Warehouse. Skip the Warehouse is a United States Marine Corps veteran-owned and operated HVAC distribution center which ships all across the great United States of America. Whether you are a contractor looking to partner with the distributor or simply a homeowner looking to replace a filter, skipthewarehouse.com is the place to go for all of your heating, ventilation, and air conditioning parts and equipment. We're back with the Daily American the Man. I'm here with Mr. John David. John is reporting to us live from Colorado. John, welcome.
0: Thanks, man. It's good to be here.
1: Absolutely, John. Now, you know, I don't know John personally, um, but he certainly has a story, perseverance, and uh, we're gonna hear it today. And this this is gonna be a special one. So make sure you guys are tuned in, whether you're driving to work or, or just you know, in the gym, whatever whatever you do, when you listen to to your perseverance podcast at Daily American, just uh, make sure you're paying attention to this one, John. Why don't you kick us off with uh, with where you were born and little bit about your childhood and your background
0: cool okay that's an easy enough question for sure man uh so i was born in the banger wilds of northern bc canada um like way the hell and gone out in the bush if you know where vancouver canada is right on the border we're about 600 miles north of there on the like bottom of the alaska panhandle there um childhood uh i don't know is like pretty wholesome childhood i grew up in a pretty uh pretty religious family i guess pretty conservative family which was really good um really god-fearing people like my mom and dad were awesome there's no childhood trauma or anything like i had a really really good positive upbringing in childhood just kind of grew up in the bush yeah i don't know too much about
1: canada myself um sure you know everybody's familiar with Canada obviously but as far as Vancouver and where it's at uh logistically I'm not the guy but with that being said um I I assume it was more like growing up like you know uh like you said in the what's the uh phrase you used in the banger wilds
0: of northern BC
1: there you go so it's you know it's it's a heavily wooded area I would assume oh for sure man a lot of hunting
0: a lot of fishing yeah
1: cool that's pretty awesome to pick up those uh those hobbies as a kid out there in the wilderness. Yeah, for sure, man. And right now you are in
0: Colorado. Where are you at in Colorado? I'm in this little town called Alamosa. I'm totally going to nerd out on it for I'll do like as quick as I can here. So um, Alamosa is in the San Luis Valley, which is uh, the southern bottom of California. So it's actually a high valley desert. So it's out. 7,000 feet of elevation on average so it's really weird because the Rio Grande starts up here the headwaters start up here and it's just that this super dry desert but then it's surrounded by the Rocky Mountains like tons of 14,000 foot 18,000 foot peaks and it's just this super weird dichotomy between these soaring peaks and just this scrub brush desert it's pretty cool place man That's awesome. It sounds like you're enjoying it a lot. What are you doing out there? Um, So after I was diagnosed with cancer and like um, all of this happened kind of uh, in January of this year, everything kind of hit the fan, came to a head to me. Travel's always been a huge passion of mine. And so I was like, you know, life's too short. I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit about doing the nine to five, man. I don't care about you know, I can get by on really little, so I just started traveling and my plan is to just travel and see the world.
1: Wow. That's pretty that's pretty awesome, John. Why don't you talk to us a little bit about um you know, I don't want to harp on the on the unfortunate circumstances you're going through, but why don't you touch on uh you know what life was like be- before the diagnosis and then, you know, what kind of cancer it is and um
0: maybe what the doctors have have told you. Cool, for sure, man. So um Prior to diagnosis, I was pretty fit lad. I was uh, I moved to um, Alberta from BC, which is uh, an oil boom place. I dropped out of high school. I went to the oil boom, and you know, if you have two feet in a heartbeat, you can get a job. And you know, I was super fit. I was uh, twenty three years old and just like you know, fit, ignorant, and I don't know. I was pretty on top of the world. You know, I had this awesome job i was making 100k a year almost like high 90s which was you know when you're 22 years old man that's a lot of coin to be making um and then in february of 2008 i had this super strange occurrence i had like my testicles swelled up to the size of a lemon and you know i was a pretty young guy so it's super awkward going into the doctor and like getting your wedding tackle checked out and stuff. So I kinda put it off and just kept putting it off. And then I finally went and the doctor told me like that it was nothing to worry about, that I shouldn't be too concerned about it. So, you know, I was super embarrassed even being there. So I just kind of left. And uh uh that Christmas I went home or the next Christmas, sorry. So December two thousand two thousand and eight. I went home to visit my parents in uh, Northern BC and I figured I'd get a second opinion from my family doctors, somebody who I'm more, uh, more comfortable with. And it was at that time that he's like, Oh, you know, you definitely need a CT scan. This definitely is not normal. So we had that lined up and then uh, several days later, I started having this headache, like migraine, unlike anything i would ever had before. And uh, I went back into the hospital. I was like slipping in and out of consciousness. It was uh, this crazy feeling. And uh, got to the hospital. Um, they told me something was definitely wrong. I got driven by ambulance to the closest city, which is about 10,000 people, which is an hour away. Uh, I saw a specialist there. He called Vancouver, which is about eight hours away. Uh, the specialist in Vancouver told him to do some tests. They ran some tests. They figured that I had brain cancer, uh choreocarcinoma, and I was put on a Medevac flight to Vancouver. Wow. And when so when did all of this go down? Uh, it started in December two thousand and
1: nine. Okay. And then, when you were on the medevac, what year was that?
0: That was uh, like February two, okay. like so very serious. early February.
1: Okay. Wow. So, obviously, some sort of miracle has happened. If if you know you you get diagnosed with terminal brain cancer, and now over a decade later, you're sitting here conversing with me while, yeah, while traveling the United States. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. So, so w- w- what's the situation with the? the brain cancer now
0: um it's in remission now um which is crazy i mean like you said it's been over a decade it's been 12 years and when i was initially diagnosed when i got to vancouver they told me that i had 12 hours to live and now it's been over 12 years yes sir um
1: do you so what um i mean is this just like a an anomaly like like what would do, do you have any evidence or anything to what has happened or is it just strictly god in my opinion how do you mean like evidence to what's happened sorry like god uh, did, did you did you go through treatment did you did, did the, the chemo kick the cancer's ass and then you know what what happened
0: okay um so like um, I had several reoccurrences, but upon initial diagnosis, I got to Vancouver. They said I had 12 hours to live. My dad had been on the medevac flight with me. And I you know, was like, no, we need to, we want a second opinion. He's like, well, you need to get one because you know, your brain, your kid's brain is hemorrhaging and he has 12 hours to live. So we doubled down. We're like brain surgery sounds great. So um, I got four craniotomies initially. And then I got put onto um, a top aside chemo treatment for um, about four or five months.
1: Awesome. And since then it's been, um,
0: mm.
1: it's been remiss. No, I have what has, ca- it yes, has came sir. back a couple of times. Yeah. Wow. John, that's an, uh, that's incredible, man. You are <laughs> certainly, uh, extremely fortunate to to be here with us today with, with being diagnosed with terminal brain cancer and given 12 hours to live. That's, uh, yeah, no, that's so lucky. Yeah. God bless you. What, um, so did you, when did you quit your job to, to start traveling?
0: Um, after my brain cancer, like 12 years ago, I actually was laid off work because I was deemed unfit. And, um, I just tried to like pick up small jobs here and there and it just didn't work out. Um, I had my cancer reoccurrence and stuff and, uh, yeah, just, I don't know, just recently January. So. John, so when
1: did you, when did you decide, um, that, that the normalized way of living was going to change for yourself? and, And when you decided to give up the, you know, that, that good salary and that great job you had and travel.
0: Well, it all pretty much started like upon diagnosis, but then it just became more and more apparent that that's what I should be doing through the years as I, you know, did small trips throughout the years. And then in uh, January of this year, I just decided that, no, I'm 35 years old now and I mean, there's no time like the present. I'm not getting younger and I might as well just go for it. And, you know, it was always like, well, do you have the money to do it? Can you support yourself and i mean you just crank the dirt bag level up to 11 just do it man just grit your teeth and go for <laughs> it right yeah
1: yeah absolutely that's what you're doing um upon your travels how long have you been traveling uh
0: just since january so not not too long yet S- funds are seven still months. good
1: <laughs> Yeah, seven months is uh is a pretty long time to be traveling it's it's pretty awesome how are you
0: so you have no income coming in at all I have like a disability, but it's pretty minimal for sure.
1: Gotcha. Um, and is it just the United States that your travel is restricted to, or are you going
0: all over the world? Well, first, uh, initially I like went out to the middle of nowhere, British Columbia and just stayed in an off grid cabin for three months, two months. And, uh, Yeah, now I'm in the U.S. I'm going to be heading back to Canada eventually here and then hopefully to Denmark or Asia. Yeah, So worldwide, I guess, would be the quick answer. Do you have any
1: plans uh, for the travel to end?
0: Are you just taking it day by day and week by week? So my goal was I would do two years of traveling and just kind of pick up where I go from there. Wow, where's the next stop? So, definitely stopping at home, just a little bit of a recharge. And then um, COVID really threw everything like a loop into everything which countries have their borders open, entry requirements, and all that. But um, Asia is always, always open and it's so dirt cheap to go there. So, it's a pretty logical place to go. Yeah, you could definitely save some coins. For sure, man.
1: Yeah. Do you ever consider getting, um, like odd and end jobs upon your, like, like when you're traveling just to bring in like a little bit or is it more difficult than it? Yeah.
0: I've thought about it, but, um, like it's, it's pretty difficult for sure. I mean, you have to be pretty tied into the community or like know people in the community. Right. So, um, I found that volunteering if you volunteer places you definitely get some kickbacks you get a couple meals you know you might meet people and they'll throw you up on their couch or something yeah a little work for uh
1: you know the i guess the basic necessities shelter yeah exactly food yeah don't look like a total degenerate and they'll take you in for sure <laughs> <laughs> I'd have a problem with that one, John. I'd have a big problem with that one. Hey, man, you're 35. You're, uh, I mean, this is the life, you know, obviously overcoming and your ability to fight back against a 12 hour diagnosis um, of your life expectancy. And, you know, 12 years later, as the time went on, you decided, you know, I got to start living. So you're, you're out there traveling the world, man. That's, that's something to be super proud of. Um, and it's certainly really ballsy.
0: I know that John or stupid. I don't know, man. I don't know. Um, like I definitely had like more things, push me along to do it. Like I had a reoccurrence and like, uh, I don't know. It just, it just reaffirmed, like you need to live your life and you shouldn't just be doing this humdrum bullshit that you don't want to be doing. Yeah, we never know. Um,
1: nobody does. Nobody knows when their when their last day on this earth is, and you got to take you got to take full advantage of every opportunity and every single hour that that you're living and breathing. Absolutely, man. For sure. It sounds like you're doing that exactly, John. I'm trying, man. For sure. Hell yeah. Well, hey, man. Daily American certainly uh, appreciate you coming on and sharing your story, and you know I just want to thank the listeners out there that have subscribed or followed the podcast um, we are up on YouTube for, for visual audio purposes um, definitely got some, some good interviews up there check them out anybody who's rated the podcast on, a, on Apple iTunes I, I appreciate it a lot um, we're trying to do something special here we're just telling the stories of struggle and uh, perseverance and you know, Daily American certainly appreciates every listener out there and John, we, we welcome you back at any time. Well, thank you so much,
0: man.